chance leads to Miguel's first kill. Deb's deadly vagina endangers another man. Rita finally gets the engagement ring she pretended not to want, and Luerta and Wolf quickly become besties, so someone can be sad if, or actually when, Wolf dies. Uh, what did you guys think of this episode overall? It's best episode of the season so far because it actually had things happening. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, Miguel grates on your nerves, but it, at least stuff is happening now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the bar is really, really low with this season anyway. So, you know, some stuff happened. So, yeah, there's that. Right. I think I just sort of, you know, drifted into it, and then by the end was like, oh, okay, I'm glad something happened finally. <laughs> but uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was well enough. So, um, yeah, I think this this and the next episode are probably the ones that people remember the most from this season. Um, it's kind of the season that people block out of their memory when they remember the show, because... They remember season four as being good. They don't remember season three as being particularly bad. And season three just just really coasts on very little going on for a really long time. And then all of a sudden, everything kind of comes together at once. So it's like they had these two episodes worth of action. And instead of spreading them out, they used them as sort of the catalyst for the end of the, you know, the, the final four episodes or so of the season. Season three feels like a filler episode for season two and four. It's just like, okay, so we need to buy a little time before we jump into the good stuff, so here you go. Yeah. It's like, and we can get at least, you know, ten minutes of of each episode of Jimmy Smith's just like tearing his head away and doing that chin rub thing that he does and (laughs) being conflicted. The Jimmy Smith's conflicted actions. So, uh, this opens with Dexter and Miguel having pizza and beer, because Dexter and Miguel spend all their time together. Uh, Miguel tries to jump on Dexter's laptop to try and show Dexter something, but it's encrypted, as Dexter calls it. It's actually just locked. Dexter has to unlock it. Uh, Miguel points out a football player who got away. Miguel wants to kill him this time. Harry appears for one line and tells Dexter not to think about it. Um... One of the worst uses of Harry ever. Miguel tells him to think about it, and Harry appears and goes, don't think about it. And that's literally it. Is is there, like, a, a, a number in James Remar's contract that I have to appear X amount of times in a season? Because it, he has been so wasted this season. And why even bother to put him in just for that? Why waste the whole cruise time to even do that one stupid little, you know, fuzzy little fade out with the one line. Yeah, Harry uh, Harry has a very uh, pliable personality can, depending on who's writing him in this season. Um, sometimes he's like a sarcastic bastard and sometimes he's just like the conscience on his shoulder and sometimes he just shows up for one line and it's sort of like almost comedic. Yeah, I think they meant to double that for part of their, like, don't do drugs ad. It was like, don't think about it. And then they just used it both for the show and the ad, so. Get a two for one. It's almost like 
I can't imagine that they did. They brought him in to just film that line. It's, it's like something got cut. You're watching this on on the Blu-rays right now. Yeah. Are there any deleted scenes or anything to speak of? The the bonus features are non-existent for the entire run of the show. There's nothing. Wow. There, I mean, literally, literally, there are two episodes with commentary tracks. They're both in season one. They're both terrible. One of them is the producers of the show, and one of them is, like, four or five members of the cast, um, not including Michael C. Hall, and, and it is also a terrible commentary. Like, the cast commentary is just like, oh, it was so fun working with him, and yeah, I remember this day, and it's like, okay. And then they just never, ever did it again. That's so, yeah. so weird. That's like nope. the weirdest thing for a show to do. Yeah, I I don't think they really thought about extras and things like that. I think they were really, they were always so focused on what the next season was going to be that they just never really cared about the home video thing. And to be honest, I watched um when I when I finally came back and caught up with everything. I believe I rented like season by season from Blockbuster to catch up. So I I went through the home video process the first time watching some of these seasons. And yeah, there's there's nothing extra. But then again, like you know, that there's always those articles like the the one that you sent about Michael C. Hall's like not ruling out doing another Dexter, you know, having like a a, a, a spinoff show or coming back to the character or something like that. Like he says that in every interview that they ask him about Dexter, be like, I'd be happy to come back to it. You know, if they if they have a good script, that's what all, that's all we need. Like I'd be happy to go back to it. So. Um, it's, so next time I see that, I shouldn't be so surprised. So she'd be yeah, like, don't oh. don't be surprised about that. Because yeah, I mean, pretty much any time they interview Michael C. Hall, they talk about Dexter, and they always ask him if there's any chance he'd come back and do it, and he always says he's up for it. So uh, he's always going to say he's going to do it because he knows it won't happen. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. just shut him down. Well, and if they couldn't even get him for the season one one episode commentary, then it's probably <laughs> probably not worth it. Uh, so, Dexter makes waffles for Astra and Cody. Rita is in a really, really bad mood. She's lashing out at Dexter and the kids. Dexter chalks this up to pregnancy hormones. Deb wakes up at Anton's. They're having cutesy couple conversation until Deb finds some weed in Anton's cereal boxes. He doesn't see her find it. She makes a quicker exit than anticipated. How about that really bad Lifetime movie music that was playing in the background? Though? It was just... It was like a lifetime movie moment, you know. They're all smoochy, smoochy. Then she finds the finds the weed, and it's just that like that that look like they do in the lifetime movies. I really thought maybe I accidentally flipped the channel for a second there. Yeah, I was I was impressed by like what a substantial amount of weed he had in that cereal box. <laughs> well, yeah, like what is he hiding it from his mom? I don't understand why you would hide. <laughs> weed in your cereal box first of all it's going to make your cereal taste like the smell of weed and it's, it's just this it's like the most dumbest thing i could think for them to do you know she already and knows it yeah it's right. dumb 
all the riders had never smoked weed before, so they were like, where would somebody hide this? <laughs> and you're, you're dating a cop or sleeping with a cop, whatever. You'd probably put it somewhere better if you were gonna hide it. And you'd probably would think, oh shit, she's getting in the cabinet where I keep the cereal, where I have the weed hidden, and would probably be conscious of that. In an yeah, earlier he, episode, he smoked it in public. Why is he hiding it anyway? <laughs> well, yeah. He yeah. blew it in her face. Yeah. <laughs> like, dared her to uh, arrest him. Yeah, that's true. That was when they were contentious, and now that they're sleeping together, maybe he's like, oh, I, I don't know. What? I'll just leave it in the cereal. She'll never look there. <laughs> yeah. And then just stands there as she gets the cereal out and doesn't remember he hid it there. Like, well, oh, yeah. this one comes with comes with some herbs. <laughs> That's the secret toy in the box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he probably thought, well, she never eats, so there's no way she's just going to pick up a box of cereal and start eating today. <laughs> That's probably it. Actually, it may have been the best possible hiding spot, now that you put it that way. It comes with $400 worth of weed in it. <laughs> <laughs> and when we were kids, all we got was, like, little toys that were probably worth 10 cents. Not even yeah. seeds and stems. <laughs> uh, Dexter ponders whether to help Miguel and says, is this the beginning of a whole new level of friendship? Just wanted to memorialize that for Zach. Uh, Deb yeah. talks to one of the tree trimmers she met on their second victim, George Washington King, who I'll be calling King from now on. Uh, Angel arrives via the elevator kissing Gianna, which apparently is her last name because Angel calls her Barbara for the rest of the episode. And he tells Quinn that they've taken their relationship to the next level. So lots of new levels going on here. Uh, lots Le of friendships. <laughs> friendships and new levels. Yeah. Uh, Guerta asks Angel to be her date at some function, but Angel tells her that wouldn't go over well with his new girlfriend. Um, Miguel and Dexter go to a casino to watch the suspect. Dexter starts explaining the code to Miguel. Harry shows up and yells at him, was there some final line where I said, go far and wide and preach the code, my son? And then he's gone again. And this is the thing, like, this episode is all about one-liner Harry. <laughs> one-liner Harry's pretty awesome. I mean, just pops up, drops a mic, leaves. As stupid as, as stupid as I thought it was when he was just, like, contradicting Miguel in the other scene, I love this line. This line is, like, super funny to me. Oh, it's a good line. <laughs> yeah, I think that it was, like, honestly, I this is, like, an honest thing, though, but I was excited about the, like, the new part of Dex's uh, and Miguel's friendship because I was like, oh, they really do get to, like, go kill people together. This is exciting. And, uh, and then, of course later other things happen and I'm like yeah. wow that's not so exciting it lasts less than one episode <laughs> yeah I was I was excited to disappointed in the same episode but that's gonna happen I guess so they, they built it up for, for seven episodes and then it lasted less than one I was disappointed wow. that he didn't like flip flop he's like oh man should I do it no yeah, I should I, <laughs> like every other decision up to this point he's flip flop back and forth flippy floppy flippy floppy the new Miguel he's no longer flippy floppy he's got the code and he doesn't need anything else yeah doesn't need yeah. to be flippy floppy now doesn't even need seal wherever she's at <laughs> she's standing as a prop somewhere she's <laughs> Leaning on a tree or something. She's wherever he isn't waiting for him to get there in this episode. 
Uh, Deb questions Quinn about what Anton's original bust was for. She's looking to see if Anton does anything worse than weed. She calls Anton to get his CI number to look him up in the database, but finds that Quinn has been paying him cash under the table. LaGuerta invites Wolf to the police charity event. She agrees. Deb is running through King's payroll records with him. King starts telling them that the guy who found the second body was in trouble with the police for allegedly killing someone with a knife in Nicaragua. Dexter finds out that the guy Miguel wants to kill is some kind of debt enforcer. Rita calls to complain about Dex not getting the wedding pans yet. Dexter asks Deb if she knows anything about wedding rings, and she says that rings and nuclear fission are her secret specialties. Going off of this part with Rita here and then yelling at Dexter earlier. So at some point during the show, when I watched originally, I decided I didn't like Rita. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, and at some point that it turned for me, and in this one I'm thinking, is this maybe when I started to dislike her? I don't really know. But they, they carried the shrew, the pregnant, angry shrew part a little too far in this one, maybe. But this was a Scott Buck episode, so I'm just going to blame him. <laughs> <laughs> right out of the gate, Scott Buck's fault. I That's guess. a good point. Um, yeah, yep. I don't know that I ever hated Rita. I definitely, like, recognize the mood swings as things that I've seen happen before, um, as well as, like, the whole, you know, she completely changes her tune and and calls herself on what she was doing later in the episode so uh yeah i don't know if i started disliking rita or anything like that i mean i i kind of find it fun to like watch her go on like a rita tirade because it's just like the yeah. sweetest person on the show just being like eh, and <laughs> <laughs> well and hate saying i started to hate rita i know i definitely didn't like her at a certain point my opinion on her turn so that's one thing i'm curious to figure out as i'm watching is when that is because i've loved her so far I'm thinking maybe this might be when it started to switch, or if it's just this episode, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. I actually really like this scene with Deb, though. Because uh, when he asks her, she gets this, like, glow on her face, and she sells the line. I actually took a second, I was like, is she being serious? I, I don't understand. <laughs> it, I thought it was good. Yeah, she acted all excited. Mm-hmm. And then Dexter's yeah. just like, okay, and he walked away. <laughs> But let's be honest. Do you really think Deb knows much about nuclear fission? I mean, I don't. Dude, all I, I she, know like, about Deb is that she sleeps with the suspects. Yeah, like, right. That's, like, <laughs> that's well, and, and she's and a hot dog stand. And her only experience with wedding rings would be when she was proposed to by the Bay Harbor, not the Bay Harbor butcher. That would be weird. By uh, what's his name? I struck killer. Yeah. Well, if I've learned anything from movies. It's that an expert in nuclear fission that is female would look exactly like Deb. <laughs> sure. That would be the world's leading expert on nuclear fission in a movie. Well, wasn't Denise Richards like a nuclear scientist? Oh, yeah. Movie oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is... Christmas Jones. Tara, yes. Tara oh. Reid played a, like, archaeologist <laughs> in, uh, in Alone in the Dark. Oh, that's true. So, I, I mean, know, I, I like... I can see that. <laughs> could you... <I> guess, what, <laughs> Oli- She's a national yeah. treasure, that one. Uh, Olivia you? Munn was just recently, like, a scientist in the Predator movie, right? But then she turned out to be, like, a badass and kills predators. We, and we don't stuff. talk about that. That movie was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, after uh, X-Men Apocalypse, I have not kept up with Olivia Munn's career. So Deb confronts Quinn about not making Anton an official CI. Quinn says it did. Quinn says he did it to keep from giving Anton an arrest record and to save Quinn on paperwork. Quinn figures out that Deb is sleeping with Anton and tells her what a bonehead move that is. Deb throws Yuki's accusation that Quinn got a cop killed back at him and walks out as Quinn yells that Deb doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. In, like, the weirdest way ever. She's already gone. Like, she's walking away and he's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, come on. Gotta give Quinn a chance here. Like, just let him explain himself. <laughs> team sure it all checks out. Yeah. Team, team, team Quinn. Quinn. Nobody's yeah, team right. Yuki. Not talking about Lila, man. <laughs> Nobody's team Yuki here. It's all Quinn. I started off team Yuki, but I quickly changed because I saw the light. <laughs> Uh, Dexter and Miguel break into the target's house to look for proof of his murders. Miguel finds a bat with blood on it. Dexter says he'll check it against the suspected victims. Miguel is impressed. A warrant would have taken two days. Dexter finds another piece of evidence. Harry appears and tells him to hide it from Miguel, but Dexter shows him anyway. Uh, Rita and Syl are putting wedding invitations together. Rita bitches about Dexter's lack of help and ruins an envelope. Still suggests they switch stuffing and addressing duties. I'm so glad that Seal's here. <laughs> <laughs> Where would we be without her key insight? It would have to be another cast member doing those scenes with Rita. Like, it would have to be uh, Deb going over there and doing that. They could have had that one <laughs> cop that they accidentally named. <laughs> like, he just goes to Rita's house and helps yeah. her do invitations. But the woman that plays Seal, she she's recognizable. She's She's been in other things, so I assume that she, she commands a higher paycheck. So... This is the show that made Margot Martindale the food eating machine. Like, I don't think they <laughs> have a whole lot of, yeah. like, b- beyond the like main cast. I don't think they care very much. And she may have done other stuff, but she's no Margot Martindale. Yeah, so, true. You know, uh, Deb tells Anton that he's free and no longer a CI. Anton repeats what Quinn told him, which was all bullshit. Deb tells him that there was a clerical error, and they make plans to celebrate by having having breakfast together the next day. He got over that really quickly, by the way. Yeah. I thought, yeah. I, I thought he'd probably be a little more upset about that situation, but... Yeah, she she kind of lies and smooths it over, so he's not... Like, she's like, don't be mad about it. Celebrate it more. Well, you know, Anton can get over getting screwed for years Rita gets over her kids being kidnapped. <laughs> it's a thing. forgiving group of people on this show. It's all about friendship. You have friendship. to be forgiving in Florida because there's so much terrible shit that happens every day. <laughs> there's no other option. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't, if you carry a grudge, you're just not going to make it a week there. Also, clerical error with Miami Metro. <laughs> completely believable. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely happened. Uh, Dexter and Miguel go to a hardware store for supplies. Dexter explains that they have to buy more than just serial killer items to blend in. Dexter tells Miguel he's making him a starter kit. Between scenes, Dexter changes into his killing garb, and we see Dexter and Miguel break into another building, a room full of broken slot machines. They cover it in plastic to make a kill room. 
Dexter tells Miguel how disturbing this will be and gives him one more chance to back out, but Miguel still wants to be the one to kill the guy. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like, I feel like Dexter's like the, like, stepdad or, um, you know, the interim father for this, for a kid who's Miguel, who's like getting into something new for the first time with the starter kit, so he gets like the little, you know, the little play, play school golf set, you know, he doesn't <laughs> not quite know how to use it, uh, he doesn't know how to dress for the part, like even, De- they took that time to put Michael C. Hall in different clothing, but not it kills Miguel. Me. It's like, what are you doing? The the scenes are back to back. They don't put anything yeah. in between in editing, and it's Dexter's in like normal street clothes at the hardware store, and then they're breaking in, and he's in his like killing garb, and uh, Miguel's still wearing the same like dress shirt and pants, yeah, as he was in the last scene. Yeah, and also he's the assistant district attorney. How does he have time? <laughs> to do all this stuff with Dexter, who's also a blood spatter analysis, and they just have all this free time. They're just rolling around Miami, just getting starter <laughs> kicks. Like, it's so excruciatingly painful to watch. You think the Attorney General's office of Miami Metro is any better than the police department? No. <laughs> I mean, Miguel's in charge. I mean, they, they railroaded Chicky Hines. Chicky Hines. I worked it into the episode. Y'all are welcome. Yeah, yeah there was no Chicky mentioned in this episode. <sighs> but I'm glad that you uh, took one for the team and mentioned it in our episode. Wolf and LaGuerta are at a bar after the lame-ass police charity event. LaGuerta compliments a ring on Wolf's middle finger, a present from her ex-husband. Wolf flirts with the bartender. She suggests LaGuerta have more fun. And flirting uh, skills are right on par with Laguerta's, by the way. <laughs> so bad. The best part was Laguerta calls her out on it. Like, wow, you're really forward. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, she was really forward, and it felt like that guy was probably at least 15 years younger than she was, that she was talking to. And then she's she, asking for a foot massage. Yeah, and she and she said something about uh, you know the skirt wearing days don't last forever. You gotta you gotta do it while you can. I was just like, it passed you up. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> the time is done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Miguel is uh, shows up to their official meeting with the suspect dressed as the Unabomber. They're watching a basketball game. <laughs> that is the best. It is the worst uniform in the history of ever. Yeah, his disguise. He has like a baseball be, hat and glasses on. To be fair, I mean, it's the perfect setting, though, because he's at a casino, and it's not like people don't dress weird at casinos yeah. to hide their poker faces, you know? But it's no. obviously glaringly <laughs> wrong. Says, I'm trying to be unnoticed as much as... I mean, nothing's going to get you noticed more than wearing a hoodie and glasses indoors. Yeah, and he's just sitting there at the bar like... Like, just poker-faced and he's got his glasses on. Like, nobody's, nobody can see me. Yeah. Real subtle. Very yeah. subtle. <laughs> real, real quick, I'm going to do a cut scene that they didn't include. Uh, it's Miguel at home trying on different disguises. And this is like, <laughs> he's got the eyeglasses with the nose piece. And he's like, should I? No, no, I shouldn't. Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. And then he, tr- he tries on like a bonnet. And he's like, no, maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. He's not sure if you should be like 
you know, incognito in his sexual preferences as well. It's like, Miguel. Miguel's conflicted disguise trying on scene. <laughs> yeah. I want that. That, to me, is worth 25 minutes alone of this episode. He spends, like, four straight minutes just staring into the mirror with a Jason mask on. Yeah. Like, exactly. Fantastic. Maybe this is too much. Uh, <laughs> they start to walk after him, uh, and then Miguel says hello to some Randy. Uh, Dexter tries to call it off entirely and take down the kill room, but Miguel asks him to leave it up and make the decision tomorrow. The next day, Dexter sees that there is another bludgeoning victim in the paper. Depp shows up to breakfast alone and leaves a message for Anton. She invites Dexter to breakfast, but he's already eaten. Instead, they go wedding ring shopping together. She tells Dexter to bite the bullet and buy uh, Rita an engagement ring. Deb starts asking Dexter about her situation through a series of hypothetical questions about her relationship with Anton. Dexter asks, hypothetical sex? Deb says, real sex. Really real sex. She asks if maybe the guy wasn't into the girl all along, just having sex to pass the time or fulfill primal urges. Dexter says it sounds reasonable to him, and Deb says, what the fuck do you know? She then points to her ring and says, that one, and walks out. So yeah. this this is a nice callback, because the ring situation, you know, she she knew exactly which one to get, which means she knows about nuclear fission. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> and give it up to Deb. Uh, how, how awkward, like... Let's just say hypothetically, this was a real situation. How awkward would that ring person, like the the person working at the ring store, feel during that conversation? Hypothetical uh, ring, dude. Like <laughs> I'm sure those people hear all kinds of insanity. <laughs> also, it's Deb. Like <laughs> this is what she does. Yeah, she's like, very open about sex to everyone. Yeah, like, I had a relatively normal conversation when I went to pick out and buy rings for my wedding. But uh, even then, there were, like, things that we were talking about that had nothing to do with rings that, like, I'm sure they were just like, uh-huh, great, thanks for bringing that in here. Okay. <laughs> okay, bye. Uh, That's my new sales tactic when I go into... For, to buy something now with salespeople, I'm just going to talk randomly about stuff and see if I can throw them off. <laughs> Let's say that hypothetically, this guy was like really into this girl, and okay. Uh, Deb and Quinn are staking out their suspect, whose name is Mario, in the skinning case. Quinn explains what actually happened. He and Yuki used to be partners. Quinn failed to bust a cop who was doing meth and ended up killing himself. Uh, which seems like something he could have said, like eight episodes ago and cleared up real fast yeah I felt like they were writing last second with that they were like oh yeah we really gotta give Quinn a, a reason like not why he's not really a bad guy so let's write this weird thing cause it's like wait a cop's doing crystal meth so he kills someone and then he dies it's like so mixed up it just doesn't track well, it, it doesn't track with what Yuki said. Yuki mentioned that he cut corners and another cop got killed. Yeah. he Well, he cut corners, meaning he didn't bust a cop that was doing meth. 
I still don't see how that's his fault. Yeah, I was like, I wouldn't yeah. call an overdose <laughs> killed. Uh, yeah. I, and I, like, watching this back, like, knowing Quinn of, like, future seasons, like, I love early Quinn now. Because early Quinn just doesn't give a shit, and he cracks all these jokes and uh, tells Masuka what's up, and he's just great. He's just great. Like, mm-hmm. when, when, you, when you have no doubt about his character, uh, like I do now, like, he's he's great in the beginning of, of this season, so. I'm going to have to get rid of my Team Quinn shirts, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mario shows up and they approach him. He tries to run, but Quinn tackles him and handcuffs him. Angel has to cancel dinner because he has more work than anticipated. He leaves the swingers message on her phone. The, uh, the most pathetic I, I can't make it oh, message of all time. It's gonna be the worst Satista moment <laughs> ever. What? The, the, I think the final line of it has like 30 prepositions in a row. He's like, in whatever way you would want me to make that up to, in, with, upon, according to... God. <laughs> Awful. Like, I know he's Satista and all that. Crying out loud, he's talked to people before. He knows how to leave a message. Yeah. That's the worst Batista, Satista, whatever, ever. Yeah, it's it's very, very much like that. The famous swingers uh, message scene. But he doesn't, like, ruin his relationship over it. He doesn't leave, like, 34 messages, like, trying to trying to uh, apologize for the previous message and getting cut off every time. When Swingers, it was funny. It's just stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Stupid. Dexter meets up with Miguel to cancel the kill because someone recognized Miguel at the bar. Miguel asks about how long Dexter has really been killing. Miguel says the code is like wearing a straitjacket. Dexter says, if I don't have the code, the darkness... And he trails off. Miguel tells Dexter that the first time he felt powerful was when he kicked his father down some stairs. That's awesome. Uh, Miguel says that when Dexter talks about darkness, he understands. Deb and Quinn question Mario. They're getting nowhere until Quinn says, then why did King lead them to you? Uh, Mario freaks out. He's terrified of King. Mario is suddenly ready to be deported rather than face him. Angel thinks he ruins things with Barbara, but she shows up with Chinese. She said she's been listening to his hilarious, pathetic message all day long and laughing. Uh, it's the story of his life. People are just going <laughs> to keep laughing at him. She's just going to keep him around for the for the lulls. Mm-hmm. Deb shows up to one of Anton's shows, but the band had to cancel. Anton was a no-show. Dexter and Miguel M99 the target and take him to the kill room. Miguel thanks Dexter for letting him in and showing him the way. They wake up the target, and Miguel talks to him. He says that he and Dexter are justice. Dexter sets down a knife and rotates the table to give it to Miguel. Miguel plunges the knife into the target's heart and leans on it. Dexter sinks to the floor and asks Miguel how it feels, and Miguel says, fantastic. Dexter sends Miguel home. He'll take care of leaving no trace himself. Uh, Miguel starts to take a trophy, but Dexter stops him. Code violation. Deb goes to Anton's apartment. His door is unlocked, and his guitar amp was left on. Deb walks out and notices trimmed palm trees. The Skinner has been there. 
Perry appears and tells Dexter that he now has a massive responsibility to inform X, uh, for Miguel from now on. He says it was more than he could bear, and he hopes that Dexter is a stronger man than he was. Dexter gets home. Rita is still up and monosyllabic with him. Dexter gives Rita the engagement ring, and she melts. She says her mood has been down to the pregnancy hormones. Rita says, it's like I have a monster living inside me, and I don't know how to control it. Um, which is funny for two reasons. One, because Dexter obviously has a monster inside of him that he has to control. But secondly, because she has the spawn of Dexter inside her, which is also a monster. So... <laughs> Oof. The double down on the monsters. Yeah. And then uh, the final scene, Miguel shows up at Ellen Wolf's apartment. She answers the door and he walks in. End of episode. Like, in the creepiest manner possible, it was like a Craigslist hookup. She opens the door. Yeah. She doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. And he just walks in. It's like, Okay. Maybe he should have put his Unabomber costume back on. <laughs> that would have been perfect. I also want to say, um, bad bad tree trimmers. Like, that guy, he leaves his trimmings everywhere. So he's almost literally leaving a trail for them to follow. I'm like, you should pick up... The, I think most tree trimmers pick up their the leaves and stuff when they leave. That was a... I didn't mean to do that, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like... It's, a, it's almost a, like the show's like, see what we mean? It's a tree trimmer. There's there's trimmings on the ground. And you're like, no, yeah, we get it. What I don't understand is this would have had to happen quick. So, like, he, he got Anton and then looked up, saw the trees, and was like, shit. And <laughs> had to stop and cut the trees. Well, what's funny is that only one of them is trimmed. There's two of them next to each other. One of them's trimmed, yeah. one of them's not. So it's like he got interrupted. Like, he was up there watching, and when uh, Anton goes out for whatever, like, he had to go down and get him then and leave his uh, leave his work unfinished. So weird. Sloppy tree trimming job. And, yeah, we yeah. sort of talked about this before, but, uh, yeah, Miguel just instantly uh, going straight from his first kill with Dexter over to Wolf's apartment is just the stupidest thing, both from a... From an action point of view and for a uh, for a plot development point of view, it's like, oh, uh, he was cool for exactly ten minutes uh, in 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 showtime, but like for us watching, like within minutes of him leaving Dexter, he walked into Wolf's apartment, and we know what's going to happen. Bye, Wolf. Yeah, he, she won't be crying. Wolf, that's for sure. Actually, it happened so fast that I thought, "Well, is this is this season ten episodes?" And I had to actually Google how much because I thought, "Surely we're wrapping up soon," because this happened way too fast. Yeah, yeah, I I I agree. Um, well, that's one way to look at it, I guess. But like they, this happened to too fast but it also happened too slow in that Miguel's first kill probably should have been a couple episodes ago and then it should have right. like been this there should have been a little bit more of a a lull between like he should have felt really great about that kill and gone home feeling great instead of 
been all jacked up and ready to go and get Wolf now too. It, this should have happened. This should have happened prior to the big blow up between him and Dexter over the idea of killing Ellen Wolf. Yeah, because. Like, that would have been the perfect build-up. You know, now we know that he has the capacity to kill somebody. And then, you know, she's just, like, hitting him with all this stuff. And, oh, God, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? This one is just like, oh, I killed this person. Now I must murder. Yeah. Uh, this episode was directed by Marco Siega, who previously worked on... Music videos, uh, Veronica Mars and Cold Case. He directed nine episodes of Dexter between seasons two and four. This was his third of four in season three. And after Dexter, he worked on The Vampire Diaries and The Following with Kevin Bacon. This episode was written by Scott Buck, everybody's favorite, uh, who (laughs) previously wrote on Six Feet Under, Rome, Everybody Loves Raymond, Coach, and The Oblongs. Uh, Scott Buck was the showrunner for seasons 6 through 8 of Dexter, wrote a total of three episodes each for seasons 2 through 5, two each for seasons 6 through 8, and after Dexter, wrote and created the Marvel Netflix Inhumans miniseries, as well as Iron Fist. That brings us to, uh, yeah, Scott Buck, everybody. Uh, That brings us to the best line of the episode. Let's see, I had, um, uh, I taught you the code to keep you alive from Harry. I liked the uh, the priest line by Harry. Go uh, go forth and teach the code. Yeah, that was my favorite too. I struggled to find one that really stuck out to me. I just said something, or used the one where Dexter said, uh, shows up looking like the Unabomber. <laughs> That's a pretty good one too. <laughs> yeah, that was the best one. Uh, worst line of the episode. <laughs> pretty much like everything's Sad Tista said. <laughs> Sad yeah, Tista's message. Entire message. <laughs> but then also, Dexter said, I'm freshly bageled when he told Dad uh-huh. he had, had breakfast already. So it's kind of a throwback to when he was good and cookied early on. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, God, I forgot. And now he's freshly bageled. He was well so. and truly cookied. Oh, that's yeah. it. Well and truly cookied. Now he's been freshly bageled. There was another line that I hated, and it was uh, when Miguel was like, we're justice. Oh, yeah. Oh, so bad. <laughs> I think all of uh, Ellen Wolf's flirting lines could be in there as well. Yeah. 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 I like, all of that it, grossed me out. Um, that uh, she had the breakfast, the bagel line, because my worst line was the uh, Deb calling him saying, you want to hook up for breakfast? I'm buying. And, like, I don't know, the word hookup to me doesn't, it it applies more, like, sexual than it does to, like, anything else. So I guess when I first heard it, I was like, that's gross, Deb. You want to hook up with your bro? It it is Deb, so. Yeah. Yeah, never know. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, she's, like, always sexual, too. So when she says the word hookup, I'm like, that's, yeah. Yeah, I think like the people that wrote this show are like just old enough that that term didn't mean that thing for them. So, yeah, that's probably part of it because it didn't mean that when like I was in high school, or at least I didn't mean that when I said it. But then I also used to tell people I wanted to just fuck around with them and um, didn't mean <laughs> anything by that either. So, uh, <laughs> the uh, performance of the episode. I'm going to give it to to Harry. 
I mean, one-liners <laughs> at all. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, think, Harry. Yeah, he crushed it. Captain One-liner. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what do you do? Oh, so I was going to say, well, who else are you going to give it to? It's so bad. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Is Santista is my best bet when he's leaving that uh, that message. That's all I can all I can figure out for performance of the episode. That's that's how bad. There's really nothing that stands out here. I'm going to give it to Seal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, honestly, I was ready for that. I, I, We're I, all so I, desperate here. I agree. I was like, I, I don't really have anybody like. Rita had an off episode like everybody was just kind of you know what I'm going to give it to Quinn I'll give it to Quinn <laughs> I actually did like the scene where he's talking to Deb about the uh, about what actually happened so Angry Rita was pretty hilarious I thought um, but I would give it to Syl and I don't mean uh, the character I mean the uh, that one window sill at uh, the gambling guy's apartment I thought it was very good. <laughs> All right, that'll do it, guys. <laughs> Thanks for uh, helping me with the podcast. Thanks for uh, listening to this episode with us. We'll be back next time. Thanks.